1: Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marsolais. Thank you for joining us again this week. We have another awesome guest today. I'm super excited to introduce Scott Reese, who is a blind swimmer who swam across the Georgia Strait to raise money for Canadian guide dogs. Uh, Welcome, Scott.
2: Thanks. Hi, Sean.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here and what an accomplishment. You must be tired. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But it's it's a few months in the past now, so I have recovered. Oh,
1: good. So you've recovered. (laughs) More or less, yeah. Okay. So can you um, maybe start by explaining your, telling us about your vision?
2: Sure. I have retinitis pigmentosa. So as you know, that's a degenerative condition that leads to gradual loss of your visual field, kind of towards tunnel vision and eventual blindness or loss mm-hmm. of all functional sites. So that's where I'm at now is, is kind of, I can still see some light, but I don't make out, uh, any, you know, shapes or mm-hmm. text or things like that. So, uh, very basic site at this point, like not, not functional. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate.
1: Yes. Yeah. How old were you when you were diagnosed?
2: I was less than 10 when, um, My older, one of my sisters, was um, noticed something in her vision that was cause for concern with my parents, and so they took all four of their kids uh, in for testing just to see if something was up. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, something was up in three three of us uh, Mm -hmm. had um, uh, irregularities or, or something happening in the retina. And at the time, I think it was. Just called uh, some form of rod cone dystrophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa until in my late twenties, I think. Uh, okay. It was always just it was always just uh, retinal degeneration, kind of was what right what was um, uh, it was being called. So. Okay.
1: Okay. So, but as a I was diagnosed when I was five, so I could, I could read print until I was 18, but, um, only like a couple letters at a time. So like, did you struggle as a kid with your vision?
2: Um, I always had thick glasses and, um, my eyes, like my acuity of my eyes weren't great, but they Mm -hmm. were quite correctable for a number of years. And Mm -hmm. I was able to even do things like play ball sports and things into my early teens, but That was probably the first thing to go for me was things like baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, It became very hard to see a a white ball on on the sky. Yes. um, Yeah. I don't think I ever saw the golf ball if you tried to hit a golf ball. So (laughs) (laughs) things like that. I was clearly not seeing on the same level as a lot of my friends and people around me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, always tried to hide it kind of and Mm
3: -hmm. choose
2: do other things that uh, wouldn't put me at such a disadvantage and so i kind of uh, adapted my sport preferences and things to uh, other activities that i was able to do unimpeded or at least less impeded for many years Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah that's awesome so when did you start swimming
2: I was a swimmer from a young age. I think I think I joined the Williams Lake Bluefins when I was about seven or something. And that's because all of my siblings were already swimming in the club. So
1: okay.
2: um, swimming was a great kind of like early, you know, childhood through my teens activity that I always did as a main staple. And that, that was my main competitive activity through um, high school. So mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of sprint swimming and, you know, the usual winter club thing where Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of hours every week at the, at the pool. So I did definitely have a foundation of swimming.
1: Did you, um, compete in the sort of Paralympic realm at all for swimming?
2: No, I, I didn't. And up until when I kind of stopped uh, my pool swimming or my sprint swimming, um, career let's call it a career it wasn't really a career but um up until then I, I was very much not uh, blind or yeah. even um partially sighted or, or whatever you know I was still driving a car um okay doing many other sports I, I couldn't play ball sports but most people and most of my friends didn't even know that I had uh you visual know visual
1: impairment or vision yeah.
2: so um, Paralympics, nothing like that would have been even an option for me until much later. I'd say mm-hmm. my it was really in the last 10 years of my life that I lost a lot of my um, functional vision. I was probably in my late 20s when I stopped driving. Uh, I probably should have stopped driving a bit before that, but <laughs> it's hard to give those things up as you yeah. as you can imagine and as you know, um, you mm-hmm. kind of hold on to things as long as you can. For sure, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I didn't compete. My brother actually went to the um, London Paralympics for judo. Oh,
3: cool!
2: Uh, and so he's got a similar thing, a different eye condition, but similar uh, retinal issues to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he, he was he was there, but I never achieved such high level sporting uh, accomplishments. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. Swimming the Georgia Strait is quite an accomplishment. So, <laughs> well, thank so
2: you.
1: Yeah. yeah. So how did that come to be? Um, yeah. What what gave what made you think to do this?
2: Uh, I had gotten into open water swimming a little bit more in the last decade. And that was coincident with me having to give some other things up. And so I was looking for an activity to fill the void that I was... Uh, starting to notice as I gave up mountain biking and Mm
3: -hmm. whitewater
2: kayaking and um, other things like downhill skiing became different I'd say I still do it but I do it now assisted with a headset and Mm -hmm. I used to ski independently and so as as my uh, other sporting activities kind of changed or went away for me I looked for something else to keep myself active and uh, engaged in, you know, getting exercise. And so I did get into, you know, pool swimming again um, in about tw- probably 2014 or 2015. And then I did a couple of open water swim races in Vancouver uh, in 2015, 16, 17, that kind of op- opened up the world of open water swimming to me and um, made me aware of, uh, the activity more than I was before, other than mm. hearing about people swimming the English channel. I, you know, I didn't really know much about it, but there's quite a, quite a big community of people out there that, uh, get joy in swimming in long distances in cold bodies of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. do
1: have questions about that because, um, I mean, i I swam in a pool for many, many years and relied on that lane rope to keep me straight. Yeah. And I I did one mini triathlon a few years ago, and that was sort of my only experience. Well, and I've swam across like a lake just on vacation, like a smallish part of the lake. Um, And it's so hard to know where you are and the, the, experience i had in the mini triathlon like just all the everyone plunging into the water at the same time all these limbs and arms and like trying not to get hit but like i'm a strong swimmer but it's navigating all the bodies like how how was that for you doing races
2: um well i was um when i did the races in 2015 16 and 17 i i used uh, the headset that i that i still use, or it was an older version of it, but I used a headset for navigation. Okay, And so I have, um, a, you know, it's a bone conduction, um, piece that I wear and it wraps around my, um, back of my head and, and has the bone conduction pieces and kind of that sit in front of my ears and that goes underneath my swim cap. And then I have a kayaker or a boat or someone comes along with the radio unit and they're able to um, direct me on my course from, often I think paddle or, or drive the boat behind me and so that they can line me up uh, visually with where I'm mm. trying to go. Okay. Um, and, and so I, in that way, I guess I didn't have to deal with the same uh, issues of, of like that mass start um, mm-hmm. bodies everywhere and stuff. Also because the race that I was doing it's called the uh, Bay Challenge, but it is uh, just shy of a 10 kilometer swim across English Bay. Okay. And it doesn't attract very many people to the race. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> yeah, not too many Shocking. people want to do a 10K swim. <laughs> yeah. So hey, there's only, I think, 20 to 30 people in that race annually. Okay. Um, and, and so it's not like what you experienced in the triathlon where mm-hmm. there's people swimming over people, which. I've got lots of friends that do triathlon and I've heard some horror stories about that kind of experience with people getting pushed down and then, you know, being swam over and things like that. It doesn't sound like much fun, especially if you um, can't see who's coming and where you're going and like where you sit in relation to everybody else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: I also don't want to elbow someone in the face, you know, injure somebody too. No,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's
1: That's cool. So this headset is like obviously waterproof, like the water doesn't distort the sound or cause a problem?
2: No, it's actually designed for it. And I think it's um, designed for um, swim coaches, like, to help train their swimmers in the pool.
3: Oh, okay.
2: And and so, yeah, it's a fully waterproof unit, and it can receive a message up to something like 200 meters away. So if the boat isn't right behind you, it, it can still um, help you out, even if it's quite a ways off. And so that, you know, for the start of my swim, that's often the case if the boat's, like, Couple hundred meters offshore, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then that might be how I start. Like that's how I started. The Bay Challenge was with the boat quite a ways offshore. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty neat uh, device wow. that was. I, I mean, I think the primary purpose is swim coaches training uh, sighted swimmers, but it's a great tool for a blind swimmer.
1: I yeah, I think it was last summer. I was at my grandpa's cabin up in the caribou and my cousin and I decided to swim across the lake and my cousin's wife was on the paddleboard and I just had to keep popping my head up and listening. And she was like singing and you know, uh, trying yeah. to just <laughs> yeah. chat away so I would know where she was because a paddleboard yeah. makes no noise. Um, but I'm sure like he was, he got there first, but I was zigzagging my way all (laughs) over the place. Sometimes I would pop up and she'd be on my right. Sometimes she'd be on my left. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Bit of a disadvantage. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Yeah. I grew up in Williams Lake. um, And so often in the summer uh, for years, me and my sister and I will uh, swim across the lake together and my dad will um, kayak along with us and, Mm -hmm. um, he'll have me on the headset and he'll make me do whatever pattern needed to kind of keep me near Ah, Becky. so you don't get
1: way too far ahead.
2: (laughs) Or, yeah, or, well, she, you know, she sees a lot better than I do, but she has her own vision loss issues too. And so Mm. even at the best of times, she's not swimming totally straight. So he's trying to um, manage (laughs) a couple of swimmers out there, one that's totally uh, blind in in me and the the other one that kind of swims crooked at the best of times too so it's it's kind of a funny uh situation
1: (laughs) (laughs) wow so you're doing some 10k races i guess you like the open water swimming do you get a lot of mouthfuls of salt water and
2: yeah you end up getting a few i mean as you you train for it and so you get used to the um choppiness of swimming in the ocean like it's it's different than pool swimming yeah um so you you know in a pool you're not often you're going to get a mouth of, mouthful of water if, if you're mm-hmm. a, a strong swimmer because it's it's um, a pattern of breathing and your stroke is very uniform
3: mm-hmm.
2: with like a flat surface of water. in the open water, that can definitely work against you at times or surprise you if you come up for air and there's a, a wave cresting or something that's coming kind of into your face at that time. So, yeah, you, you, you kind of do take a few mouthfuls but if you're if you're uh, quick at your reactions y- you spit that out you don't swallow that yeah you know <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah that yeah you definitely get surprised by chop and irregularities and occasionally um, things that you don't want to swim into like sticks and weed right. and yeah things like that that uh, you're not expecting and then you you hit something and it kind of startles you right it startles me. Um, I
1: I guess the person on the headset might give you a heads up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Stick
1: floating towards you, or
2: yeah, they'll ask me to swim more left or right if if I need to get around a like a log, a log or something. Sometimes yeah. there's a bigger piece of wood out there that you don't want to swim into, um, and sometimes there's no way around it on these tide lines where there's a bunch of debris and things that kind of get pulled onto these like lines in the in like where the tide runs around a, a point or something there there might be like a stretch that's just unavoidable and you just have to swim through it but normally that's just uncomfortable it's not like you're swimming into big big sticks and logs but it's like a bunch of weeds and mm, yes things like that
1: right but. obviously you i'm assuming got a guide dog so like Sort of tell me, how how did you get from this sort of just open water swimming for fun <laughs> to yeah. this across the Georgia Strait?
2: Um, as I lost my sight, I slowly came around to the idea that I needed help in terms of my mobility. Um, mm-hmm. Initially, I started by being very stubborn and just, um, you know, taking a shoulder or an arm yeah. and going with someone wherever I'd go and then everyone was suggesting that I would benefit from learning how to walk with a cane. And
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I really um, railed against that for a while. Yeah, Um, we all do. (laughs) Shouldn't have, but I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And then eventually I, I decided, well, I, if it's going this way, I eventually want a dog. I love dogs. Um, The mobility of having one seems great. Like I, I, I just, I had heard and I got the impression that, your walking speed was better. Um, you're, you know, you weren't so much having to memorize every single route that you take as just understanding the process, like walking with a dog. I just felt like it would give me a lot Mm -hmm. more freedom and flexibility and would give me and my family a great dog all at the same time. And so I went through the process of, um, you know, learning the cane with the objective of getting to, uh, Uh, the point of cane uh, proficiency or competence so that I could apply for a guide dog. And um, I went through that a few years ago and applied, you know, maybe two and a half to three years ago is when I started looking into guide dog programs. And um, it was um, July of 2021 when I got placed with Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind. So in the last two and a half or so years since then, I benefited greatly from having Caleb, my yellow lab, and I felt gratitude for that, and and I wanted to see if I could do something to give back. Uh, so I decided it was high time in my life that I get involved in a fundraiser, and okay. um, and so I I concocted the plan to swim the Strait as the feet i guess behind the the fundraiser
1: that's so cool so how many kilometers is that
2: it's 30 uh, as the crow flies so it's a little bit more when you put in all the twists and turns that you that you do when you don't swim straight Mm -hmm. but i think the gps path of the boat that day was um, not that much more than 30 it's about 31.
1: okay yeah wow and how many hours did it take you
2: just under eleven hours, so it was a full full day. Wow. Started swimming at six oh five in the morning. <laughs> wow. I finished at five p.m. So yeah. crazy.
1: Did you get out of the water at all in that time?
2: No, I I didn't. I I did regular intervals for um, eating and drinking, just to yep. keep my calories up and hydration. And so I had a forty-five minute stopping interval where um, I had my boat pull up beside me, and they would hand me the food for that stop, and the you know my water bottle, and I would kind of tread water at the edge of the boat, and um, they'd pass me things, and then I would also you know reapply my Vaseline to my neck and stuff so that I would not chafe, and then I'd just start swimming again. So that was kind of a nice way to break up the swim was just to have these yeah. sanity breaks every 45 minutes for a, a minute or two at the boat, just to chat with the guys and, um, you know, have something to eat and then, you know, get ready to put your head back in and keep going.
1: Wow.
2: So, um, how do you yeah.
1: train for something like that?
2: Well, that I, you know, I did a lot of pool swimming in the first half of this year. Um, I, Kind of came to the plan that i wanted to do that swim in late 2022 and so i came out of the gates pretty hard in january um swimming you know five or so times a week at the pool um trying to get lots of kilometers in just mm-hmm. swimming swimming laps and i also started you know doing a lot of cardio training on a spin bike and um some running I I do, I do running with friends like on a short tether around the seawall in Vancouver and stuff like that. Um, so I was just looking for every opportunity that I could find to get some time to, you know, do a swim or a bike or a run just to get exercise and just to get my cardio fitness up. Um, and so it was a, it was a long kind of six months of heavy training, um, on top of, the usual stuff like i've got a one-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son and a wife and a full-time job so i was fitting this in
3: wow in yeah. at
2: early or late hours just to work around the family and stuff um but I, you know i didn't have a perfectly crafted training plan um but i had talked to my former swim coach um Chad Webb, who, who's still up in Williams Lake coaching the blue fins. And he gave me some tips. Um, and then I also had been in touch with a a couple of open water swimmers that are doing swims like this, that have done the same swim that I did and that have also done swims like the English channel swim. And so I had some, um, firsthand experience about, you know, distance and hours to spend training and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Wow. So So did you have any problems on the day? Were there, were you, did did you get any injuries or did you want to give up? (laughs) Like, how were you feeling?
2: (laughs) Well, um, so there were no real problems on the day. Like the guys that did all the logistics coordination for me were super on top of things and had organized the whole process very well they were very prepared and and so but uh, we had actually had to postpone by one one day because the uh, the wind on the georgia strait uh, on the saturday that i was supposed to swim was you know it was 20 knots from the southeast which mm-hmm. would have been horribly wavy and and you know not not yeah. fun or safe for the boat let alone the swimmer so right. we bumped it out a day and um got a better better weather window with um you know lighter winds and actually some fairly flat water towards the end of the swim which
1: that's nice is yeah. often
2: not the case in a in an ocean swimming situation um but as uh, on the day of i knew it was going to be a long swim because my um, prior to doing it my my biggest swim i had ever done was um about two weeks prior where i did a a 5 hour swim and um you know at the end of my 5 hour swim my shoulders were pretty sore mm-hmm. and uh you know you're you're feeling pretty wonky from being in the water that long and and so i knew i'd feel a lot worse than that and about halfway through my swim my shoulders were feeling very much the same way as they had in training and i ended up taking some ibuprofen and stuff mid swim just to try and keep mm-hmm. the shoulder pain within tolerance, but um, it, wow. you know, it all, it wasn't like an injury per se. It was just, I think just the soreness of turning your arms over that many times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely.
2: Um, And maybe the worst and unexpected thing that I didn't realize was how my uh, mouth was going to feel afterwards. I hadn't contemplated, what it would feel like to, um, gargle salt water for 11 hours. Oh. so my mouth was very, my tongue, my mouth, my throat, my nose, everything was very, um, raw and wow. or for a few days. Um, it kind of hurt to eat or drink for a few days after the swim. Wow. So, yeah.
1: How about your mental state? Like, were you, what did you think about 11 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Were you literally yeah. thinking just one more stroke, one more stroke? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, well, I, I definitely have the advantage in that having a headset on with a friend on mm-hmm. the other end of the mic is, you know, somewhat helpful mentally right. and, and can be uplifting. You feel so
1: alone. Yeah.
2: When, uh, you know, otherwise it's a pretty long time to have your head down in the water without any communication with anybody. Um. But it was nice to have that. My friend Yost was on the other end. And on the day of the swim, the, the fundraiser was um, doing really well. It was a lot; quite a bit of money was coming in on the day of the swim. And, and so he was giving me some nice updates along the way about like, you know, X amount of money oh, that's donated. Cool. And he, you know, he was also reading me a couple of uh, messages of uh, nice things that had been said by people yeah on social media um so it was it was nice to have that kind of uplifting stuff to keep your head in the game and keep you pushing to to finish
1: was he um sort of like chatting to you like i don't know just telling you like i don't know stories or jokes or i mean cuz it's a one sided <laughs> conversation right yeah <laughs> uh,
2: occasionally but occasionally but it's uh sometimes it's you know it's hard sometimes it's a little bit hard to hear and so mm-hmm. I, I think there were a couple jokes out there but I missed the punchlines, or I, oh. I don't know if it's just like you're right it's not funny because you're just so tired and yeah you know, yeah like <laughs> I, I don't know if I heard that joke properly or if I you know you're just you're hearing stuff and it's almost that's good enough just to right. hear, a hear human. the mic on the yeah. other side um but yeah,
1: did you encounter any wildlife while you were out there?
2: No, the guys said that nothing close by. But they did say, um, about a kilometer off the boat, they saw a whale—not um, a oh. orca, but a um, humpback. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's
3: cool. Yeah.
2: Would have been neat to have some wildlife nearby, but at the same time. You know, being surrounded by a pod of orcas would oh, that would have probably be pretty out. terrifying. But, <laughs> yes, um, wouldn't want to be the first ever case of um, a human being killed in the wild by an orca.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing in our water that is highly dangerous. So, unlike open water swimming in Australia or South Africa or something, it's um, I think it's a relatively safe sport from a wildlife perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where was your guide dog in the boat while you were swimming?
2: No, we figured it would be a pretty long day for him to yeah, be rocking around on the boat. Um, he, you know, so we sent him across to the finish line with my wife, Alex, and so she had the kids and Caleb, and quite an awesome landing party. Um, you know, my parents and her parents, and then. Uh, Jane, the founder of Guide Dogs, was there, and just tons of support from friends and family, and also total strangers that just came down to the beach to watch the finish. So it was cool. it was pretty neat to have that yeah. at the Nanaimo side of the swim.
1: You must have been so exhausted when you got out of the water. Like, could you even? Yeah, I, was, I
2: mean, definitely my shoulders. Like I think I was. I I managed to stay on my feet for a couple hours at the beach and socialize. And I think that's probably just, uh, you know, adrenaline. running on the, on the <laughs> high of having yeah. done it and, and having all those people there to, to see or to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was certainly tired. I didn't leave a ton of extra energy in the, in the tank for um, swimming back the other direction again or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which some people would do because there, there there, are people that have done some epically big open water swims, but wow. mine was a big swim for me, but, you know, the stuff that some people take on is just crazy. Yeah.
1: So have you, well, I guess first question, how much money did, did it raise? Is it the final
2: number I think is in the north of uh, 162 or 3,000.
1: Wow, congratulations. It was really great. It yeah. Was a really awesome. That's
2: awesome. Fundraiser. I had an initial goal of about 10,000, um, just hoping to get the support, you know, just thinking I would get the support of friends and family. Yeah. Um, but it gained a lot of traction uh, with media coverage and, and social media, and then, you know, even like global news, mm-hmm. CBC and CTV. A lot of these big news outlets picked it up and it just drove the thing um, through the roof which was great and you know makes a meaningful difference I think to the Canadian Guide Dogs program having a third-party fundraiser done like that mm-hmm. um, you know I think, I think it was a, a big win.
1: Yeah wow yeah so. they're very lucky. That you were willing to do that. That's
2: amazing. Well, I, I don't mean that. I just mean, uh, I mean, it was, uh, I'm lucky to have Caleb, but it, it, I think they're very appreciative.
1: I'm sure. Yes. From, uh, you know, a leader of a nonprofit, <laughs> I know how hard it is to raise funds and yeah. I, I'm sure they're very appreciative. That's, that's amazing. Did, was it like people were sponsoring you per kilometer or just flat rate donation? Like how, I'm just curious how you set Yeah, up. we didn't
2: set it up as a sponsorship or like a pledge. Uh, it was just donations. Um, like, you know, once yeah. the donation was made, it wasn't going to be retracted if I, uh, didn't I finish to give up or anything early or something like that. Right. That's good. We didn't do it by pledge, Um, and and so I I think the way it was set up was 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 great. It was just on a Canada Helps fundraising page that you know gave it directly to Canadian Guide Dogs, and Mm -hmm. um, one of my friends bought the domain swimthestrate.ca, and so it redirected to the fundraiser page, and it was all easy to share and easy to yeah get the word out on on social media and stuff
1: wow that's cool
2: yeah
1: do you think um you mentioned you have a one-year-old and a three-year-old are they were they aware of what a big deal this was
2: Uh, i don't think so i definitely not claire not the one-year-old but (laughs) yeah uh, i think max definitely knew something was up because you know he we'd been talking about it but also he went to the he was at the beach playing Mm. at the beach um uh, prior to me swimming in right and so i'm not sure if he will recall it or you know yeah. realizes exactly what was happening other than uh all of a sudden i was swimming up to the beach but yeah. <laughs>
1: that must have been a surprise <laughs> daddy's yeah. coming from the water <laughs> yeah
2: exactly <laughs> oh that's cool but it was nice it was definitely nice to see him when i got there
1: i bet oh yeah So um, what's next for you? (laughs) Where do you go after something like that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, And I've had that question asked a few times, and I have to admit I don't really know. I I don't have another big um, fundraiser planned at the moment. Um, Not to say that I I will never do anything again to – help raise money. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. currently not um, devising any, any, anything. And I'm focusing on, you know, my career, my, my family, my kids. It's a busy yeah. time in life with, of course, with yeah. two little ones at home. And so, and I definitely pulled a few uh, IOUs with my wife, Alex, when I was training and she was stepping up and, mm-hmm. you know, having to, do a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of extra stuff on top of yeah. just how busy it is to be a mom in the first place, but to have me out training and to do all that. So you know, yes. try and, uh, be a good dad and a good husband for a little while and then see what comes up in the future.
1: Nice. What is, what is your job? Just curious.
2: I'm a civil engineer. So oh, I, wow. I work in water related engineering designs, um, Uh, dams and pipelines and uh, things like that. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Have you had any challenges with your vision in that position?
2: Uh, Definitely my career has kind of transitioned over the years because when I started here, I've been with uh, Night Peasel now for 16 years. Um, And so when I started with them, I was just out of university and I was still at a point in my life where uh, my vision was pretty good or at least pretty good by my perspective mm-hmm. um and so they were with me from you know from the beginning really of my vision loss and and uh, uh, my role has changed I, I mean there's a natural progression anyways in the you know going from junior engineer to more senior level engineer but also my ability to take on site work and things like that uh Going to construction sites or
3: mm-hmm.
2: drill rigs and things is not possible as it mm-hmm. used to be. So I had to kind of transition into a more office-based uh, project management, design management, technical writing kind of role. Um, but it worked well for me because that's a little bit in line with the natural progression mm-hmm. that I would want to see in my career anyway. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So and they've been very supportive for me. Uh, my company has, you know, stood with me through this whole thing and have accommodated me wherever they can, and uh, continue to do so. So I'm I'm fortunate on That's that great. front.
1: Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for being here today, Scott, and sharing about this adventure. I'm so impressed. I I do someday want to do a triathlon and it involves the open water swimming and that's one piece of it that I haven't really tackled. So I kind of feel like this headset could change the game.
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll have to send you information on that because it definitely changes the game. If you've got a friend or uh, mm-hmm. person that is willing to get out in a kayak or on a paddleboard that that can really help you out for um for making it possible for you
1: yeah yeah sounds like it I'll have to give that a try thank yeah. you so much and um just yeah I don't know congratulations what a huge accomplishment and I I also think it's I'm a mom and uh, I think that's lovely that you <laughs> acknowledge that you need to sort of you know, step up at home and make up for the time you've been away. And I feel (laughs) like just ride this success for a while.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. No, I I really appreciate you having me on your program here today. Mm -hmm. And um, the work that you do is awesome. So thank you. Thanks for letting me be here.
1: You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families.